Let's call him up, man. We are calling Dennis Dill. Let's get this bad boy on the phone. Hey, how's it going? That's what I'm talking about. A man who wears a tie to the meeting. Yeah, that's, it's one of those exceptions, I guess. And it's actually a SpongeBob. Uh, <laughs> well, you're obviously being observed today because anytime you break out the SpongeBob tie, there must be an observation going on. This is an official day for you. Well, I think you make it an official day. <laughs> man. So, uh, man, last time I saw you was uh, summer, right? Yes, indeed. All right, and I'm telling you right now, the uh, the uh, weather has changed here since then. We got a cold day here in Houston, brother. How about how about there in uh, Florida? Uh, well, we were heading into a little cold snap, but it was like I think 75 today. Yeah, God, I love that 75. It's yeah, awesome. it is. Well, it has been warmer than that. We had like mid 80s last week. Right on. And so you, so so this is your classroom, right? That 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 we're talking to you there. Well, I I have uh, this kind of trying to block <laughs> my classroom. So uh, this is like the theory when when like company comes over, it's like please don't open the closet. Oh no, it's worse than that. <laughs> oh yeah, that's a science room if I've ever seen one. And and it's. That that is a toolbox over there. Yeah, that's the, in the background. Um, is that the craftsman? Uh, actually, it's one that I don't even know. It's like generic school board quality. Right. Uh, and that's just my my desk area, and then we kind of swing around. Oh man, that's it. You guys... we have the McKeel O logo. That's our little news thing that I do for one class period, and then uh, the desks are far more linear than what I like normally but it's all good and then yeah it's a little bit trashy look well, hold on hold on hold on. go you know pan back you look now listen i'm no investigator but you have obviously stolen the couch from the secretary's office right there yes <laughs> well actually it was uh we found it someplace yeah found it uh, found it in the front office is where you found it that's yeah, how school works man when you know you know when you're the first one to campus you can take whatever you want that's what i've always said that, that's right, and, and it was in a vacant area, so uh, I actually have two. I have like a couch there and a couch there, and the kids kind of fight to to sit on it. There you go. All right, man. So, uh, man, I'm so fired up for this one. Let me, let me, man, I'm already breaking out in a sweat, brother. You get me overheated. Let me take off my Andrew Dice clay jacket, and we're going to get this thing started. All right, so here's the shit. I put this little thing back up. No, man. Listen. Everything we've talked about so far is already documented, man. This thing's going. This is, man, we're, we're, we've, we've, we've been recording live since I've, even before I've called you. All right. Rock and roll. Mm -hmm. maybe, maybe I should just move this and then I can see the book. There you go. <laughs> Make sure everybody knows there's some literacy happening in that place. Yeah, I'm, I'm like a, a book fiend. Yes. Uh, whenever the library calls their books, they, they separate the box. of the, the, These can go to Dale. And he'll take them, uh, no matter what they are. It's like I had like kid books in here, and people were like, "Well, why do you have?" I just can't throw away a book. There you go, magic's in those pages. Somebody. Did. All 
All right, man. Let's kick it off. So before we get started, I know you've you've read the form and you and and you and you know all about it. And I'm sure you're probably connected with Dana. Yes, uh, we talked to her yesterday and all how awesome McKeel is. We're gonna talk about that as well. And you and your life and and life growing up and your teachers and those uh, educators that you work with and the lessons that you've learned from your students. But here's the thing, man. We want complete, honest, and authenticity from you, absolute truth, while at the same time, I always tell people, man, you have to keep in mind that, I mean, everything we say is documented, and like at some point very soon, one of your students' parents will get upset with you because you gave them a 74 or something like that, and uh, they're going to Google you, and this is going to come up, every single word of it, brother. So while we're yeah right exactly so no pressure so while we're completely so it's prettier, uh, then. yeah <laughs> I'm sorry I, I can't mess James with those jeans report to the office there we go yep. missing Grimes, kid not he's not a missing kid he just doesn't want to get picked up yet right there you go and uh, man you must love school right. Absolutely. And uh, so uh, so, we're, so we're going to talk about it all. But, uh, you know, I always say keep in mind that every student, parent, administrator you will have ever ha- had, will have, have now, they'll hear every word of this. You have to think about it like that. Sound good? Absolutely. Let's do this thing. Here we go. Teach Like a Rockstar podcast. Let me line it up here with my camera. And we are rolling. Ah, uh, yes. The Teach Like a Rockstar podcast. Today, we are continuing with our theme of McKeel Academy greatness. And on the show today, we have Dennis Dill, rockstar teacher at McKeel Academy, at the McKeel Academy of Technology. And we are going to get to the bottom of some things with Dennis. We have a lot of questions to answer. This guy's been make, making a lot of noise down there in Florida. We've got grants and, 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 and awards we've won. And we, we've got pictures of him with snakes that we're going to talk about. And, uh, and, and we're going to cover everything. So welcome to the show, Dennis Dill. How are you, brother? Rocking it out. There you go. All right. So um, just like Dana, I met you guys in, I think it was uh, Clearwater Beach. Is that the name of the town, right? Yes, it At is. the McKeel Academy Back to School Extravaganza. And, uh, and, we, and we talked about it yesterday. You guys know how to do the school year right. You kick it off with a huge event, costume party, and you know, all, uh, events, iPads, families on vacation there at the resort, and um, and I guess you guys have some sort of a connection with the hotel, right? What was that? Was it a? I, I can't it's remember. It's at the Sheridan Sheridan Sand Key. Yeah, Sheridan Sand Key. Been going there for like the the past oh man five six years. Yeah, it's like an annual trek. Right, and uh, it's the pilgrimage to the Sheraton Sand Key, and so you guys get a room, and and I guess their spouses come out as well, and they spend the day there. And, um, and, and you guys have a big back to school kickoff and it's, and I'll tell you what, you know, I, you know, I, and I, I know we talked about it enough yesterday, but it was one of those events where, um, you know, for me and I travel the nation visiting schools. I mean, for me, I really got to see, uh, a, a place where some special things are happening with special kinds of relationships between teachers that love teaching there. They love their kids. They love their leadership. They, 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 they love the connection between each other. 
and it all results in in amazing things happening for students. So, man, tell us how you got involved with McKeel Academy. How did you end up there? Uh, nobody else would hire me. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and as funny as that will sound, uh, I got out of college. I decided, well, I really couldn't go the teacher certification route. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's in a whole nother story. Uh, but I graduated with a degree in social sciences. I worked with technology over at the college, our local community college, Polk Community College, actually, now Polk State College. Right. And it was like two days before school started. And apparently somebody left McKeel high and dry, and I kind of walked through the door. And two days later, I was sitting in front of a classroom full of seventh graders uh, and been here ever since. So this is my 11th year of teaching. So a decade ago, a decade ago, you walk in, and it's your first day. Um, you know, some, I guess somebody leaves late in the summer and a few days yes. before school. And, and so how did, now, 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 did you have teaching on your radar or did you just kind of like somebody, like a friend? I, I think I've always wanted to be a teacher. Mm-hmm. Always. It's, it's always been something that, uh, pretty much because of my, my background, I've, well, actually I can't say it's my background. It's always because I hated school. Every last minute of school, I, I don't think I connected with any of my teachers at all until probably I got into college. Yeah. Uh, everything else is just a bad memory. And I always thought that, you know, I can do better than that. You know, kind of understanding where I come from is like, you know, why wasn't I the guy that was ever connected with? You know, all the other kids in the classroom, they all had like getting those hellos and doing well and everything like that. And I'm the guy that, Mr. Dill, get out, go to the office. <laughs> get sit know, in the hall. And, that, and, and it, I don't know if it's like my, 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 history preceded me going through or I just I don't know I was just never connected and that's kind of why I wanted to go into teaching because I I always thought I could and my wife was actually the one who actually motivated me and said hey you know you're not stupid you know and she actually mentioned looked me right in there I said you know you're not stupid right and it's like oh yeah no you're not and then that that was that moment uh and sometimes uh I can refer back to that and say that was the moment that kind of changed everything, that moment that my wife looked at me and said, you're not stupid. And, and sometimes I have to have those moments with the kids today, you know, even though you're not supposed to use the term stupid. But, you know, in that one-on-one, sometimes you got to look them right straight in the eye and say, you know, you're not stupid. Right. You know, kind of break that down. So, man, there's a couple things there. First of all, I, um, I'm going to assume um, you're still married, right? Yes. And so I'm going to assume that your wife has probably taken that back on an occasion or two where she, <laughs> she probably changed her mind <laughs> once or twice since then. Oh, yeah. Well, the, <laughs> we, we have conversations. <laughs> when I pull in the late hours, she sometimes regrets. Right. Especially in the teaching. It's like, you know, it's 12 o'clock at night. You know, you haven't really said two words to us. And we have to have that reality check every now and then, you know, where she has that moment of like, why did I even do this? But she knows that this was the right thing to do. Yeah. As I go too hard into it, it's that mentality. It's like, I can't say no. Sure. Now, now let's go back. Cause you know, this is interesting. And, and Dana and I covered this, uh, uh, yesterday where she had, and, and uh, you know, n- now it's kind of the same, not, uh, well, it's a different story, but maybe the same theme. I'm wondering, you know, how, like how prevalent this is over at McKeel and maybe it has, there's a, th- this is one of the ingredients of why there's so much greatness in that system there is that you had a very different 
experience in school, much like she did, than the traditional successful school teacher. Where you know, if you look back on the history of the 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 typical school teacher, lots of teachers were very successful in school. They had those teachers that really they they had that relationship and connection with. They were uh, they felt significant in the classroom because of that success. And then they go to college, and it keeps you know they just kind of keep rolling with it, and it just makes sense that they become a teacher because they were good at it. But what they find is when they get into the classroom and not students aren't really like them, there's, there's that top 10%, but the rest of us, and I say us, <laughs> me and you, you know, weren't, weren't <laughs> there at the top of the class. Right. And so, you know, so, so, so it's fascinating to me when, when I find teachers that are awesome and excellent, what they do is, you know what, they, they, they had some struggles and it maybe it were, weren't academic struggles, but it would be connection struggles. They just thought school was stupid and was ridiculous and it was a waste of their time and they didn't love it. And in the back of their mind, they thought this, you know, this could be a better experience. So for you, at one point, like when you think back as far as you can go, where is it that you first can remember thinking, oh, my God, I don't want to do this. I don't want to go to school. I'm not sure. I don't think I ever – I would probably say eighth grade was like the, the turning point year when they identified me as being wicked smart in math. Uh-huh. And they put me into this really, really smart class. And with with people that I really didn't know, and and I shut down. I somehow managed to fail that algebra class four quarters in a row, and nobody seemed to care. It was just like you're not working to your potential, and and I think that was the moment that kind of set everything into motion for me to really, really hate school. That, and I don't even know why. I can't even put my finger on it, but it's, I think they like teachers stopped believing in me and everywhere, every facet. Uh, and I kind of fit them all. It's like, well, if you're not going to believe in me, then screw it. I'm just going to do my thing and it just kind of going into all my classes. And I was that kid. Yeah, you know, it's, it's so interesting because, you know, it, it really can happen in an instant. You know, like the, the, the day that you stepped into that classroom and realized you didn't have any relationships in there and you felt out of place. And these kids have probably all been on that track, that gifted and talented horizons program, all that stuff. They all knew each other, had all relationships, they all, you know. And then here's this new kid, you know, the one that, you know, was just kind of stuck in there because somebody figured out he was wicked smart, but he doesn't know anybody. It doesn't identify with anybody, has no relationship or connection. So you're kind of ousted, right? And then that instant that that happened, you know, that that feeling, that emotional connection that you made right there with that feeling of, of uh, you know, um, of a lack of, uh, of connection stayed with you through your other classes, true? Absolutely. Yeah. It, it just spread like a cancer. Yeah, and then so you started living up to that reputation that the teachers gave you of not living up your potential, and they talked to you. So and they, and and so they would say you are you do not live up to your potential, and then you say okay, I do not. <laughs> every report card, every teacher, that's what they always that that little checkbox, and there was like a checkbox they wrote down there, not working to potentials. Like, well, duh, I know I'm not working to my potential. I'm not stupid. Uh, what you see is not necessarily what you get, but if you're, if that's how you're going to treat me, then I'll I'll just fit that mold because it's a lot easier to be not working to my potential than it is to even pretend that I care 
about that class. If you're not going to pretend to care about me, then I'm not going to pretend to care about your class. Yeah, dude, somebody's sneaking up behind you. Just warning you. And she looks suspicious. Uh, that, 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 that was probably Taylor. She was doing some work in here earlier. <laughs> and, so, and so you're not working up. So uh, specifically, what kind of grades are you making at this point? Oh, in, in high school? Yeah, academically, oh, eighth grade, oh, ninth goodness, grade. I had all I could do to graduate. Really? Oh, yeah. It was like I, I was in, and I, and I shared this with my kids like on the first day of school. Sure. Uh, I was in that class, you know, with, with those kids. We weren't on the fast track to college. We were, we were already written off that we were going to go to the trade school our junior and senior year and learn to fix cars, learn to be carpenters, electricians. That's where we were going. You know, we weren't college, but anytime they had like those pre-college meetings and SATs and PS, oh no, we, we were part of that conversation. <laughs> uh, like we're fast tracked to the uh, vocational school and that's what we're going to do. And if we're really lucky, we'll graduate and get out of their hair. And at this point, in your home, did you have support academically? Like, you know, were did I mean, did you have the type of parents that were on you academically and, and getting you to do your work, getting you to turn it in, looking at your planner? Oh, 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 oh no! It's like uh, my my family background. Uh, my mom is a immigrant. She came from Ecuador. She's illiterate, can't read or write in English. Uh, my my father uh, dropped out of school. Uh, Shortly after the eighth grade, eighth grade, ninth grade, he went back and got a GED, but it's not like the traditional sense. They want, they believed in finishing school, graduate. That's all you do. You're going to be okay. Yeah. Uh, so, did they know that I could do more? Yeah. Did they know really how to push me to do more? How to motivate me? Because they, my mom is extremely motivated, but you know she didn't know how to really handle me. You know, and my father is like, well, you know, I, I, I'm smart too. You know, we know all these things, but you know, look at me, we're we're surviving. Uh, so we're like in survival mode. It's like, okay, if that's that's it, then I'll just do that. And what part of the country did you grow up? Uh, I grew up in a small town in Maine. Yeah, I was going to say, brother, I can tell you're not from Florida. Yeah, it's Lincoln, Maine is a, a town of about five thousand people. We had one. One high school, one junior high school, one elementary school. The kids that I started kindergarten with are the same kids I graduated with, uh, almost all the way straight through. You know, so we knew each other. We knew where everybody lived. You know, it was there were no secrets. Right, uh, and which could have hindered a lot too. How did you make it to Florida? Uh, by way of the Marine Corps. Uh, my senior year. Is she actually going to walk through this time? Oh, okay, my, my senior year. Yes, if you walk quickly, you can walk through. <laughs> okay, uh, yes, that's Taylor. She's working on some history first stuff. Uh, about December of my senior year, I got a call from the Marine Corps recruiter. And he asked, hey, you want to join the Marine Corps? You got good ASVAB scores. We can get you hooked right up. And I was like, well, no, nobody else is calling. All right. Uh, so I joined the Marine Corps, ended up in Cherry Point, North Carolina, working on airplanes, uh, shooting rifles and stuff like that, and came to Florida with a friend. And he went to see his girlfriend, and one thing leads to another, and I was best man at his wedding, and her sister 
was the maid of honor. And five months later, we flipped the roles. He was my my best man at the wedding, and, and his his wife was the matron of honor. So we married sisters. Amazing. Uh, it's one of those. <laughs> and that was, wow, 19 years ago. Right. And then so after the Marine Corps, did you uh, did, did they help pay for college, or how did that work? Oh, yeah. I got out and uh, went to the VA, and uh, they were taking care of I, I got four years paid from the Marine Corps, and that's, that's a whole other interesting story. But I don't know if you want to hear that one or yeah, not. Yeah, do it. Uh, funny thing with the VA, uh, I had to prove to them that I was smart enough to go to college because uh, I had no college background. I had like one or two classes. But, uh, so they had to give me like this huge battery of tests. Uh, I spent like the better part of a day in Orlando just doing some testing, psychological testing and all that stuff. Uh, did extremely well on all the tests. Like, they were like, oh, my goodness, we, we will pay for you to do anything. You want to be a lawyer? We will pay for you to go all the way straight up to law school. You want to be a nuclear physicist? Or, and, and I looked at this, I want to be a teacher. And they say, we will pay for anything except for you to be a teacher. Right. And, and when they and I explained why, I said, they looked at me right short and said that you will not be a successful teacher. You do not have the caring capacity to care you know, enough to be a teacher. Yeah. Yes. Tell to hop in. This is, this is Cynthia White. Cynthia, hi. come on in. Cynthia, let me say hi. This is how well we're doing an interview. Let me see her. Where, where, where is she? So you're in, I'm sorry, you're doing yep. what? An interview with Hal Bowman. Oh, right, right, right. Hal? Yeah, I remember him. Do you, I'm, uh, let me see. Where, where is she? Hey, how are you? <laughs> I, I'm um, sorry. <laughs> yeah, well, I came in so that you could work with me, but I didn't know that you were busy. Uh, I'm, so. I'm sorry. Okay. Well, your door, I, your sign on the door now says enter, not do not enter. Just saying. Oh, so, I'm going to change it. why there was such a parade of students running through here. Oh, did yeah. you change it, Taylor? No, they stuck their head in. Uh, like hey, Cynthia, it. I have a question for Cynthia. Cynthia, Cynthia, now, now you have a question. Oh, I have a question. Yeah, so Cynthia, at the um, at the party, the uh, pre-event party. Yes. Which one were you? What was I? <laughs> I'm not sure. I like where this is going. I'm just curious. Just generic, just like jeans and a like t-shirt. 80s, 80s rocker. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Super, super, super tall. Right. Like just like me, like me. Yes. Yes. Right. <laughs> She's got about a foot and a half on you. Like my, my jacked up boots. Yeah, I was like um, six three, maybe six four at the party. Yes, well, it was good seeing you. That's why I'm saying seated, so it won't show just how right. short I am. But listen, I'm with you, brother. I know. See that it's. Oh, uh, hey man, that that right there looks like my wedding picture right there. <laughs> All right. Um, how about another day this week? Because report cards are coming out. I I, I have tutoring tomorrow. Next we slide. can do it during tutoring. Or not. Well, doesn't he need to be able to use the Mac? Sure, we can do it Friday. Well, I don't have a life. I'm sorry. <laughs> do your thing, man. All right, so uh, so so you have decided. So you decided that you're going to be a teacher, and they're saying that you don't have that that thing that that the you know the X factor, that intrinsic caring quality. Yes, they 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 flat out said that you know, I would not be successful. Those were their exact words. It's like you would not be a successful teacher. 
And so you said, forget it, man. I'm going to school. I'm doing my thing. And so did you go to college thinking possibly that this uh, teaching thing is still there on the radar or did you just kind of blow it off? I I wasn't buying into what they were saying. I I just was going to do it. I had already worked on a plan that, well, they're going to pay for four years anyway. I'll take my education type classes as electives and I'll do social studies and I can work the system. I know the system, how to do that. And and lo and behold, I, so I didn't graduate with an education major. And I think in hindsight, I'm glad I didn't. Yeah. Uh, I, I focused on content and that's really what has carried me because the content was my passion. Uh, it's not necessarily like building the perfect curriculum and understanding that my first day in here when they're talking about curriculum, and I'm like, I have no clue what you're talking about. Okay, tell me what I'm supposed to teach and I'm just going to go there because I love what I'm teaching. You know, I don't love this whole curriculum thing. Right. And I get it. And, you know, man, listen, that that whole passion for the content goes a long way. And, you know, that's the thing, because, you know, I I think people sometimes, Esther, you know, underestimate what that's about is when somebody's really passionate about the material, that that kind of triggers all these connections in the mind of creativity and resourcefulness of how can I get this content from my noggin into that kid's noggin. And when you love something that much, you know, you're just that more creative and that more resourceful and, you're, and you know, and you'll find a way to get it in there. And so your first job. And so you go to college where I graduated from the University of South Florida. Uh, they had a branch campus in Lakeland, and I was just too lazy to drive to Tampa. Right. So that's where the main campus is. You know, they had all the things that I could uh, want there, but I, I think that also benefited me because I actually had some of the top-tier professors coming over. They would drive one night a week to the satellite campus. So I actually had classes with doctors with, like, 12 other kids, yeah. you know, and their normal classes would have, like, 150 kids. You know, but we would actually sit down in the classroom, be almost like a little coffee shop type discussion because there was only a handful of us that would be in the class. And I think that benefited me a lot, kind of just connecting to those uh, doctors with the the passion. And once again, it wasn't about like, I want to say it wasn't about the grades, it's all about the content. It was like, let's talk about this stuff. This is awesome stuff. And a lot of that kind of spills over to what I do in the class because that's the same basic mentality. It's this is awesome stuff. You're gonna, I'm gonna feed it to you, and you're gonna love it. Yeah, and you know what, man? At the at the age that you were at, going to college, I think, you know, I have to tell you, you know, you know, going to college at 18 in that traditional, you know, you leave high school, you leave home, you live in the dorm, you're 18, and you're sitting in a psychology class. You know, at that age and that level of maturity, I have to think that most students were like me, where I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to get an A. I'm just trying to get a good grade. I'm not gonna, I'm not really learning anything. I just want to be able to, you know, regurgitate some information on the day I need to onto the test and get a good grade and be done with it. And I'll forget 80% by the next day is what the you know studies show us. But I think, you know, after you go through a military career, a few years, and you're a little bit older and have, you've experienced some of the world. You know, I think at that level of maturity, you're able to sit down and discuss and actually learn on a deeper level rather than just memorizing facts and figures and dates and historical stuff. Absolutely. And and where I went, because it was a satellite campus, there were more adults in the class. You know, I was like 24, 25 going through these classes, 26, and there were people older than I was. So we were talking real world experience. We were talking about dates that we knew people that had gone through it, like whether it's like grandparents and stuff like that where we could actually reflect back on history and, and that made it more real or 
interesting, I guess. Do you think that that experience influenced how you teach today? Because you already mentioned you got kids on the couch and you say like here, you just, you love it and you discuss it and the kids talk about it where you, you think, you know, that's because you had that coffee shop experience as you call it when, when, when you were in college, you think that has influence on in how you communicate to your kids? It kind of makes me understand, you know, that there are different ways of learning. You know, it's not all about the lecture. It's not all about the the worksheets. And and it's strange the way I teach. You know, I can stand up in front of a class with a whole entire class people uh, class period and and keep a seventy five percent rate of like engagement of all the kids for forty five minutes and. And in theory, that's not supposed to happen. They say after five minutes, you're going to lose the kids. You got to do some sort of parlor trick, you know, magic trick, and get them back in there. Uh, but we have conversations, I, discussions. It's never a talk at you. It's always like adding to. And every class period is different. Even though I teach the same material for like three class periods in a row, it's never the same conversation. It's, and that's what I always try to make it more personal of a learning uh, for the kids as opposed to me following some sort of script. Yeah. I'm with you. You know, in fact, one of the first shows we did was a, was a guy that I had the opportunity, just a phenomenal educator. His name is Mabry. And uh, we talked on the podcast about how he would come visit my class as a first, second year teacher. And he said what was, he, would, he was always blown away because he would walk in. And, you know, to, you know he's, he was going to observe the class every day. He was there every day. And he'd say, all right, man, well, you know, what are you doing today? And I'd say, dude, I'm not really sure. And he said he was always blown away because about because then we'd have these great lessons that would happen, and what but what he didn't get at the time like I knew where we were going to start and I knew where we were going to finish but with that particular class on that particular day with the chemistry of those kids based on what was happening in their lives I'm, I was never really sure how we were going to get there based on the conversations that we were about to have, and it sounds exactly. like yeah I mean it sounds you know it sounds like you kind of do the same thing. There's no rhyme or reason. If somebody walks into my classroom, there's a, sometimes they get thrown uh, because the kids may or may not be sitting in chairs. They may be sitting on the couch. They may be you know, doing something else. They may be just for all intents. In, in a traditional classroom setting, they say, well, that's just not right. right. They shouldn't be sitting like that. You know, this kid has their back turned to you, but I can call on them and actually instantaneously they'll be able to respond back. Uh, we may have like some side conversations happening as they're trying to share with one another and we can bring them back in you know does it work 100 of the time not always you know sometimes it is widespread chaos but you know but sometimes through widespread chaos we have uh, some moments of clarity and that's what it takes to get there and i think i'm more fluid working that way than having some sort of structure and some people don't get that yeah, you know what? I tell you what, dude. But you know, the thing is, it's so obvious what's happening in your classroom based on your experience growing up, because you you obviously had an experience where there was a, you know, that dictator role at the front of the classroom. They had the big desk. You've got the small desk. Shut up. Sit down. Do what I say. You know, don't make mistakes. No collaboration. You know, that's called cheating. In in rows and columns, alphabetical order. That whole structured approach. Well, man, that didn't work for you. And 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 this obviously worked for you, and it works for your kids. And to to uh, to another teacher, it, it, you're right, man. It might be total, absolute chaos. But for you and your family that you create in that classroom, it I mean, it works most of the time. Most of the time, you know. Yeah. We we have some disagreements, you know. And sometimes we, I have to have conversations with kids to bring them back, and uh, and it, and it's weird. Most of the time, 
with the issues that I have with some of the kids, it, it's not because they don't want to learn. It's almost like I've slowed down the pace too much and they want me to pick it up, that they're no longer engaged because they're getting bored with what we're talking about because I've kind of gone over it too many times. So I almost take it as, okay, you're not being bad because you're bad. You're being talkative or not paying attention because I've lost you because you already know the content and I've started moving too slow for you. So I take that as a sign to try to pick it up uh, and add something that will bring them back to the conversation. And so that we can get more clear on this, what classes specifically do you teach? Uh, this year, for the previous 10 years, I taught 7th grade uh-huh. uh, social studies. This year is my first year I teach 11th grade. Uh, I teach two class periods of advanced placement, U.S. history, and I teach three class periods of U.S. history honors. And then I teach a visual tech class where we put out the school morning show. Uh, we call it Mikio Point O, and I have 37 kids in there, and you want to see widespread chaos. Widespread <laughs> chaos. Uh, when you are basically throwing cameras at kids, telling them to get out and go film, and then trying to put together a daily show every single day, uh, it's a little taxing. Yeah, absolutely. And so you now, now, are you the only one who teaches those classes, or do you have someone else in the school teaching those classes along with you at the same time? Uh, we have one teacher that teaches two uh, U.S. history honors classes, uh, and those are the the outliers, uh, just because we have a larger student population that I'm just not capable of teaching all of them with class size and all that amendments and that we have to follow, that they have to go to a different teacher, and, and she's very good. Yeah. And very so- different than me. And which which is and and she should be because you know you know like we talk about a teaching a rock star it's all about you know being absolutely authentic in terms of who you are as a person for those kids and sh- so two teachers should be very different than each other absolutely and and, and a lot of the kids don't get that they said well she's just not like you it's like of course not she's who she is because that's who she is God forbid if there's another person like me around here because that would be just crazy. <laughs> you know, I, you know, I said those kids say, Bowman, man, I wish all my teachers were like you. I was like, brother, no, you don't. Trust me. <laughs> you know, school would fall apart, man. It, it, and, and that's true. Because like, I couldn't imagine sitting in classes like back to back to back with the same like high energy. It's like, and there are teachers. There's one year that we had a couple of teachers that were just extremely high energy. And I don't know how the kids survived. You know, the, the, our team meetings were just insane because we were like all hopped up like on this adrenaline. Or by the end of the day, we were all crashing. It was just like, oh my goodness, I've taught all day long and boom, it's like an adrenaline, adrenaline crash that we have. It's, it's fun sometimes. Sometimes. And so here, so here's what I'm interested in is I know that in, in my work with, with a lot of school systems and school districts, that when you have multiple teachers teaching the same content area within a school, lots of schools, I mean, they, they really want teachers on the same page with the same assignments, delivering the same content the same way on the same day, where so everything lines up in terms of projects and tests and assignments and homework. Are you guys like that, or do you have a little bit more flexibility with what you do with your kids? We have flexibility, and, and I think that's really one of the things that our administration really, they want us to be our own teacher. Uh, we have standards that we follow, and I meet with the other teacher every now and then, sometimes just in passing, hey, what are you teaching right now? And just kind of, okay, we're, we're doing roughly the same thing at the same time. Uh, she may be doing a different type of lesson than I will, uh, but that's just 
kind of catering to my needs versus she's catering to her needs. We kind of do what we like, you know, as we teach. Uh, but we're standards wise, we're roughly the same, you know, where we should be. Yeah, and so I think that's that that is one of the keys because there's some misunderstanding about what charter schools are all about. But but I mean, you guys are a public school. You receive yes. public funds based on enrollment, just like other schools. But what you are allowed is a little bit more flexibility. But my understanding is this. I'm sure somebody's going to email me and, and shred me and rip me apart because I don't really understand how the thing works. But, what, what, but my understanding is, although you have a little bit more flexibility in how the content is delivered and, in, and with, with how money is spent, the trade-off is that you guys, they really look a lot more close closely at a charter school in terms of accountability and grades and performance of students. Yeah, yes, but I think that's really in, in, in the where we are today in the educational society. It's, oh my goodness, we're, we're tracking kids by all kinds of things. We're, we are on data overload and it's almost ridiculous how much data we have on kids for every meticulous thing that they've done since like the third grade. Uh, and we are held accountable, but I don't think we're held any more or less accountable by law than any other public school teacher. Uh, our administration may add more on to us because it's it's almost seen as being a privilege to be here, you know, and it's it adds some stress to the whole matter. Is like because we don't have to be here, we don't have the same protections as like the traditional public school, sure. you know. That whereas they have like the the PEA and tenure every year come like April or May, we may or may not get a letter inviting us back next year. Sure. You know? And that's every year. And that's based on expectations. And and are we treated differently by our administrations and others? Sure. We have access to probably a lot more than other schools, but the trade-off with that is we're not guaranteed a job next year, you know, and and that's a trade off that I'm willing to take. You know, as long as I'm on my game, I'm good with that. Yeah, and you know, and you know, just just based on the few people I've met there, you know, this summer and then online on Facebook and whatnot, I have a feeling that that most teachers will make that trade all day long because they're in their classrooms, absolutely killing it, and and having and just doing a phenomenal job. And and what they get is, I mean, the trade off really is. They have these. They have a, a, a team of leadership there at McKe- that at at McKeel that really understands that the more support they give those teachers, the more recognition and support, the better their performance, and it all trickles down to the better performance of the chi- you know the uh, kids in the classroom. It, it's it is that freedom to teach. You can't put a price on that, uh, and and that's the weird thing with with teaching and having that just. Freedom, that absolute positive freedom, knowing that whatever I want to teach and how I want to deliver that message, as long as it's in the best interest of the kid, there'll, there'll be no complaints. That's what you're supposed to do. You know, as ridiculous or as outlandish, if you go in there and say, okay, I want to do this. I, I want to build a trebuchet. And we're going to throw pumpkins into like the soccer field. And they're like, do that. <laughs> you do that. Uh, <laughs> And that's going to be great. And the kids are going to love it. And it's okay. You know, just try not to hurt anybody. It's like. No injuries. 
that's right. That's right. And I can't guarantee that we don't always have <laughs> that clean bill of health. But you know, we we have built that trebuchet out in the back, and that's when the kids think back about what they've done in their past, even as when they were in seventh grade, as we did the trebuchet as seniors, some of the memories of the dude, I remember that trebuchet. You remember that time that we did all that? That's what they remember. Uh, and back a, a few years ago, Gary Stager said that, you know, we should be in the business of building memories. Not, not a, no kid ever says, oh, remember that great test. It's, it's those special things that we do in class that they remember. And that's what I always kind of hold close to my heart is like, I'm building memories. Uh, and everything else is going to be okay. The standards are going to fall where they are because they're going to remember because of these memories that we have in school. Building memories. I love that. And, you know, and I think, I think that that's a great question to ask ourselves as we, you know, as, as kids are walking, you know, into the classroom is, is, will today's lesson be memorable? Did I create something here that's worthy of a memory? Is, 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 is today's content that I'm going to present, am I going to present it in, in a memorable way? That's huge, man. I, I love that one. And so, you know, which is now, now here's now here's what here's what has me thinking is you're you're this guy in a classroom doing a great job with your kids, teaching all kinds of stuff and 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 making and, and and having a focus on building memories for kids. Yet that is so far from your reality that you experienced growing up in school. And did, did now did you have any teachers at all that you can think back and th- and think, wow, man, that would, that really was a powerful educator that I had in my life that that made a difference. I think the right answer should be yes, but it's not. Yeah. Uh, I remember my teachers. There are certain things that I remember about them, but there's not one that there's some that I have like, a bond with because I had them for four years. My my woodshop teacher, you know. I was in there with all those guys, you know, building furniture, and that's what we did. You know, I remember that because I had that teacher for four years, and sometimes I did a good job, and sometimes he told me to get out. You know, I didn't have a relationship. Like, when I look around this school and I see how our assistant principals and our principals are connected with the kids or trying to make that connection with the kids, the only time I saw my principals, well, I pretty much saw them every day uh, as I sent down there for something stupid that I was doing. So that was the relationship that I had. You know, I never really had like anything positive. Like, sure, I did some good things, but for the most part, it was like, dude, get out of my class. Yeah. Get out, just get out. You know, substitutes, and whenever they, that substitute was at that school long enough, they knew the second I, I walked through the door, I didn't sit down. They would just like turn around, go. Yep. Get up. You're not going to make my life a living hell today. That's how I rolled. Yeah, so you know, I think I remember I was in the office one time, and the counselor, I think his name was Mr. Hutto, and he asked me, he, you know, I had a thirteen at the end of the semester in Spanish class, and he, it was in high school. He said, um, "Well, um, what are you, are you, are you having uh, problems uh, uh, learning in Spanish class?" And I said, "Yeah, I guess so. I got a 13. He says, "Well, what, he said, "Well, what do you think the problem is?" I said, "Well, it's really hard to pay attention when you're sitting in a hallway every day because that." You know, as soon as I would walk in, she'd give me that snap and the point, and I'd turn around, grab the desk, drag it into the hallway, and I'd sit out there, you know? And somehow I scraped together 13 points. I don't know. I'm not really sure how I got the 13, to be honest with you. That participation on those things. <laughs> you round it up somewhere, that's for sure, man. All right, so so uh, so let me ask you. So, what is next for you? I mean, it's, it seems like you love it. Let me ask you, are, are you a lifer? 
I don't know. I, uh, I, I have advanced degrees, and I always want to think about going to into administration. Uh-huh. But I, I have a feeling that I won't be a good administrator because I, I'm, I'm personable with the kids. I don't want to be that, that jerk of the administrator, you know. I dig the whole curriculum thing, you know. I have a, a master's in the educational multimedia stuff, so I can do that. But I don't know. I just really, really like the classroom. Yeah. The only issue is how much longer can I afford to be in the classroom, you know. Eventually, I'm going to have to go out and get that second job to keep this up. It's almost like this is the drug, you know. Right. What else do I have to do to keep me here? You have to you fund know? your and teaching then, addiction. It is, and then that's what it is. It's like because I don't want to leave, but you know, I it's it's like well, I can't afford to keep staying here, coming here every day. You know, it's it's like because there's a whole lot more money that is on the table that I could be making if I was actually using those advanced degrees for the money-making thing, but, you know, I use those advanced degrees every day in the classroom, and it is. This is, like, a high for me coming in here, and it's weird. Somebody just asked me today if I come to school, like, on every day, like, this is what I want to do, and it's like, and then I had, like, a kid chime in. He tweets about it for crying out loud, <laughs> about what I do in the classroom. It's like, <laughs> yeah, I, I can't fake that, you know, because I'm always, like, whenever I come up with, like, this great idea, I, I tweet about it, and I have kids that follow me, and they're like, some of them get the moans and the groans and all, all that stuff, but I, I do. I this is this is what I do. This is what kind of makes me happy, and I couldn't imagine being, being happy doing anything else. Here's the thing: it's that that um, man. I would consider if I were you, because I've been in your situation before. You know, I've 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 thought you know sitting in there. I thought you know what 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 you know what else? I mean, I love this. I I you know I, I'm addicted to it. I love it. But what else is out there? And so you know, my experience outside the classroom in the business world, my little attempt at that was. There's some strange things that goes on. Here's what goes on: when you walk down the hallway in the business world, not one person says hi to you. Like, like, you know, like you, like when you leave the classroom to go down and use the restroom or something, there's like 40 kids. Hey, what's up, man? Hey, Dale, what's up? You know, that doesn't happen anywhere else, brother. Trust me. It's it's so it's just you. I I can't stand out in the hallway with the door open without like being distracted by the kids. What's up? What's going on? It's like, whatever reason, it's always, it's always like there. It's like, and it's fun. It's, It's awesome. Yeah. And then, um, and I'm telling you, man, nothing, there's, I mean, there's no amount of money that is worth waking up every day and thinking, I cannot believe I have to go to that miserable cubicle today. Ugh. Yeah, I I couldn't imagine that. Because every day is an adventure here. It's like, and I get, even though I have to wake up at five in the morning to get here, technically I don't have to wake up at five in the morning. I just can't sleep any longer. Right. Before I actually have to like, Cruise in here, and we're usually the first to second into the driveway here at the school. Sometimes I, I wait for somebody to open the door. Right, I can tell by the stolen That's, couch. If I could only sit on the couch, I, I believe that I have to be here like thirty minutes before the first kid arrives. Right, and for whatever reason, the kids start getting here earlier and earlier. You know, they don't have to be here till like seven twenty-five, but I have kids walking through my door at like ten minutes of seven. You know, it's like, why are you here so early? So. And my dad drops me off. He doesn't have to drop you off this early for crying out loud, you know. <laughs> so I always try to come in so I can have time to get that coffee pot going and have some, I don't know, getting centered time before the kids come in. 
So here's the answer. Here, they since, get here early. Since, since you're not really clear on the answer, let me, let me clear it up for you. The answer is simply yes, you are a lifer. Yeah, I'll be in denial. I always tell my kids here, it's like, no, well, this is last year. I'm going to do History Fair. I ain't going to do it next year. And they're like, no, I, and they already know I'm lying. Right. They already know. You've been saying that for four years that you're going to leave. And, you know, <laughs> you, and I said, I only made that promise to one kid, that, and she graduated last year, that I would stay until she graduated. Now I'm free. I don't have any more promises that I have to stay here. Uh, but most of them know, and, and even though I'll tell them that, I'm leaving this year. I'm gonna. I'm not even gonna make it through this year. I'm just gonna leave. Go I mean, get me another job, and they'll have that moment of depression. Then they realize, no, you're not. Leaving. You're really not, <laughs> you're not going anywhere. You've, you've got no redeeming qualities or skills other than this. Just staying right here. This, this is it. This is what I do. You. Know, it's beyond that, brother. It's beyond that, man. I mean, teaching is obviously who you are as a person, and it's working out beautifully. And so, let me get to a couple of questions here. I wrote down. What's up with you on Facebook with a picture of snakes? That was that picture was actually taken a few years ago. I'm not a pretty guy to look at, and I understand that. I don't take <laughs> pictures well. Okay. And I'm that guy in every single picture that just ruins the picture. <laughs> the My wife has given up taking those, those the photo bomber. Yeah. You know, so that picture was taken when I really didn't know somebody was taking a picture. I was holding a, a it's a, it's a non, it's a corn snake. I think it is. Yeah. It looks like a coral snake, but it's a corn snake that, uh, we had some, uh, guest speakers come in before we were going up to a place called Tenor Rock. Uh, we did like a little field trip where the kids go fishing, they hike, they look at the environment and it's basically two days of the kids being outside, just getting sweaty. But I held the snake and somebody snapped a picture and, I'm usually not a snake person, but that was docile enough, and and then I get that I didn't ruin the picture. You know, it's like that's <laughs> that's because I really wasn't close enough. So it's like, so if you want a good picture, you gotta like snap it when I'm not paying attention. And sometimes, every now and then, I actually get a good picture. That's why that one's there, and that's my profile picture on everything that I do. It's like. That's it. It's like that's the only one because all the other ones. Are because I, th I, th I think what you're saying is at least I'm better looking than the snake. No, I, I actually, everybody's focused on the snake, not on. The <laughs> <laughs> it's a distraction, and then, then uh, I think that's what I always do is focus on them. Right. Whenever, they, whenever the kids say, "Hey, let's do a group photo," you know, we're up in Tallahassee at the state history fair. We got to do a group photo. Come on, Dale, get in the picture. No, it's all about you. It's all about you. I'm good. I'm good because I don't want to be that guy. Right. I, I can ruin some pictures. I can ruin the photo op for everybody. I'm making memories, baby. I don't I, mean, I don't want to be a part of that deal. That's your memory. That's right. I don't want to have that documented proof. Oh, man, this is a great picture for everybody except for Dale on the end. What are you looking at? Why is your eyes half closed? You know? Right. All right. So uh, you, uh, you're, man, you're, you're loving it. Do you, now, uh, do you have kids? Yes, I have one. How old? She's 11. And in terms of education, and um, I'm, 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 I suspect there's some different things happening in your parenting style than what was happening with your parents when you were growing up. And so, uh, you know, as a teacher, and, you, and you're obviously not like a, 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 you know, a hardcore disciplinary, you didn't take the military thing too seriously. <laughs> 
that, that wasn't me. You didn't, you, 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 didn't, you didn't bring it home into your parenting style, I have a feeling. And so how, how do you support your kid in terms of education and learning and school and having a good time? I think it's, well, I, I treat her a lot like I treat my kids at school. It's like I try to give her every opportunity to do what she wants. You know, to be successful and try to set her up to be successful, and and it's hard with my daughter because she's stubborn. She's and she doesn't like social studies. You know, and that's hard for me because I'm I love social. I love history. I love everything. And she's looked right square in my eyes. I hate social studies. I hate history. This is dumb. She likes science. She loves the science, and and I really try to push her to that because she just enjoys it a lot. Although this year she was mad at me and still is mad at me because I put her into like the gifted science. You know, I said, you're going to like this. You're going to do a lot more experiments. And, but it meant more work. You know, so she's mad at me about that. But I really try to push her in the right direction without kind of bullying her into it. You know, but sometimes I'll draw that line. Oh, you've got to do this whole gifted thing because that's where you like. That's what you like to do. And, and in a few years, even though you don't like to think of yourself getting older, you're going to benefit by getting into those cool science classes. You know, reflecting back on where I was, I was in the the science for ding dongs for crying out loud. You know, where the guy next to me is eating the frog. You know, <laughs> that's that's the science class that I'm in. Yeah. You know, we're playing with the water, lighting fires and stuff like that. That's that was my science class, and I envision her being in those really cool science classes where she can actually learn something of value as opposed to creating stills you know that's what they did yeah you know that's you know I, I, and that's really what i look forward to is just try to get her into the opportunities that i didn't have now talk to me about the field trips you know dana and i talked about that a little bit where where at mckeel you guys are somewhat known for um these uh off-campus learning events where you know she's talking about taking kids in new york city and there's uh, college visitation programs, and, and kids go around and visiting colleges. And you just mentioned some outdoor stuff. What are some other things that, that uh, you guys have done with your kids? I, I think one of the big things that we do is always about exposure. We get to expose these kids to just as much as possible, whether they think they like it or not. Uh, we started like taking the kids out to China Rock in seventh grade, and it seems like every grade level has like their own rite of passage. You know, the eighth grade, they go out to Wildwood. They go camping for like three or four days, you know. But we start that rolling in like the seventh grade where we take them fishing. And a lot of the kids, like, they've never been fishing. And you're like, what do you mean you've never been fishing? You, you're in like one of the best places for bass fishing in the world. And you've never been fishing, you know. And, and it's, it's almost not about learning. It's about these, this is life, you know. You don't know that you're not going to like or dislike something until you try it, you know. And, and that's really what we try to do, try to get these kids out, out in the community. We have the senior internship where not really a field trip, but just like get these guys out there. How are you going to know whether or not you like to be a nurse or something like that if you don't do it? If you, if you never see a college campus, how are you going to be motivated to want to go to college? You know, right. this college is cool. You know, there's a lot of cool things that happen on campus that and it's a different world. You know, it's kind of opening up their eyes to everything that's out there. Yeah, you know what Dana and I talked about, it really is, um, and this is what the field trip you know, always was for me, it was putting a kid 
in their future? Because when we talk about college or a job as a nurse or an attorney or or outdoors, you know, when we talk and a kid hasn't had that experience, you know, you're just talking about it in theory. They're not really, they, they can't conceptualize themselves actually in that moment where if you actually take a kid onto a college campus and let them walk around and see what that is and get the feeling of walking in and out of, and see what a dorm room looks like, then they can actually, in their mind, put themselves in that future, you know, it's, it's like this movie that runs in their head and they can see themselves in it and it makes that goal so crystal clear for them. Where without that, you know, we you know we have a goal of going to college, but unless they're, but you know, we're, we're talking to kids about going to get their, their parents haven't been to college, their friends don't go to college, their siblings haven't gone to college. They really don't know what that means. And the fact that you guys take them out, and, and not just college, but all kinds of other experiences as well, it really open. I mean, it more than it more than opens up their horizon. I mean, it really just um, just just amplifies their reality exponentially. Which is a huge part of school, man, isn't it? it? Well, at least that's what it should be. Right. Uh, and unfortunately, most schools, the field trip is the first thing that gets cut, you know, uh, especially in this land of testing where it's like, oh, we got to can't take those kids out there to learn about life. We got to we got to drill all these multiple guess answers in their head, you know, so that way they can pass that test at the end of the year. And we're like, if we do what we're supposed to do and teach the way we're supposed to do, those scores are going to be there. And it's hard to get people to buy into that, you know, when all they're doing is focus on that test and they miss out. They miss out on really the memories. Yeah. I'll tell you what, man, sitting here talking to you, I'm thinking, you know, where your school, your experience um, going through school, I know, um, you know, like in your words, sucked. And you, but, but you know what, you know, as, as, as somebody who loves teaching and kids and education, dude, I love that you experienced it because it made you this incredible teacher that you are today. And like, without that experience, you know, this would have never happened. Yes. True. Yeah. Not a bad deal. Hey, let me finish with this because we're we are we are we're up against the hour. Let me finish this. We um, I have a question for you. Two questions I ask of everybody, and here's the first one: If you could uh, uh, name one thing that you know for sure you're really good at in the classroom as an educator, what's the one thing that you know you guarantee it? You rock the house. You're really good at it. What is that for you? The one thing that I'm, I motivate, I motivate the kid to believe that they can do anything that they can, even, it doesn't matter what it is. Uh, and the kids believe me, no matter what I say. If, if, I, if I tell them and I, I can motivate them, they, they buy into it, no matter what it is. I can motivate any kid to achieve anything that they think that they can't achieve. And that's what I do. I, I do good at motivation. Yeah, and then if you could uh, come up with something that you think, you know, knowing who you are and how you teach and, and with something you can improve upon as an educator, what's on your list of things that you want to do a little bit better job at? Everything. <laughs> uh, and, and, and there's not a day that I leave this school that I haven't already reflected back on a mountain of things that I didn't achieve right. I, I just constantly berating myself for the 30 minutes that I drive home as I'm jamming to some music and it's just like I didn't do I gotta do better than this I gotta I have to do better and, and it's just a matter of just putting together better lessons better uh, 
dialogues with the kids. I'm, I'm not reaching that kid. That's this kid. And, and I'll even go down through almost like a little checklist of the kids' names. I may not have them written down. And a lot of people say, well, you're just aloof. I, you don't know all these things. It's all in my head. It's just like, and it's everything. It's, there's nothing that meets my expectations on a daily basis. Yeah. So it, I say it's everything. It's, there's nothing that I do that I can sit there and say, yeah, I'm, I'm, I did good at this today. It's always like, no, I got to do better. It's awesome, man. You know, non-competitive, and I always know that I have to do better. It's like I'm in a constant training program. Yeah, you know, and and again, it's the fact that you had that that experience growing up, where you, you know, there was not one teacher that stepped up and said, "I believe in you, I care about you, I'm we're you and I are going to do this thing together," and so and it's it's like you are making up for all of that that you experienced with these thousands of kids that come through your life. I think so, and and I know that I let them down on a daily basis, especially the one that's still sitting back there. Yeah, I, I've got to help her with her project later too. I don't think you let anybody down, brother. I think you're the real deal. The real deal, I should say. The real deal. Mr. Dennis Dill, rock star teacher, and also a part of the, the McKeel Academy, man. I'm telling you, America, this this is a place where magic happens every day, and I'm just so thankful for getting to know those folks, the leadership, the, uh, uh, the educators. And, uh, man, thanks so much for being on the show today. We appreciate you, bro. Oh, thank you for having me. Thanks also to Cynthia. Tell her we appreciate her swinging in there, and uh, and uh, she gave you a laundry list of stuff you have to take care of with her son. Her, well, once again, those are the things that I can do better on. Right, <laughs> always helping. That's what we do. That's always awesome. Thanks so much, man. Have an amazing uh, rest of the week and rest of the school year, brother. I'll see you around. You too. Later on. Take Thank care, you. bro. See you.